Welcome back to The Pivot Point. This is a weekly discussion on market inefficiencies. I'm John Bauer. Usually I'm joined by Mitch Sorensen, but we could not get our schedules to line up today. It's always weird when it's solo and I don't need the headphones. I had them in the start and I was like, I don't need these. Anyway, so what we do on this show typically, and I'm going to share my screen here shortly, it is an overview of my tiers, which are included on the Dynasty Theory Patreon. Typically, this weekly show, The Pivot Point, is a Patreon exclusive, but this week we are opening up a free preview to all, so hopefully you enjoy it. And if you do, check out the Patreon for as little as five bucks a month. We have two different tiers, and then we have the projections, the Dynasty tiers, weekly episode of The Pivot Point, game day chat, and so much more. It's a it's a good time, and you know, come check it out. So this week... I threw the question out to our Dynasty Theory Discord, and I asked for a list of players that people wanted us to discuss, and there was quite a list. So I narrowed it down a little bit. Some of them I left off the list just because they were players that we had discussed on previous episodes, and I I wanted to elaborate a little bit more on the guys that we haven't touched on. So first of all, let's see here. Let's share my screen. So a few of the players that that you guys all want to discuss, one was the wide receiver core in Kansas City, and it is so difficult with that team. And Patrick Mahomes came out early and said, hey, fantasy managers, you're going to be a little bit disappointed with the way we operate on a weekly basis. And after week one, I was super excited about all the shares of Juju Smith-Schuster that I had. He was out there uh, getting the target share that we were looking for. Didn't find the end zone, but if he would have, his value would have skyrocketed. So I want to go through, and one thing that I do for the Dynasty Theory patrons, I, I go through and I collect information from various sources, whether it's PFF, Pro Football Reference, uh, you know, but anything that that people want added, I've I've been able to add to it but i want to get everything in one place and getting information available readily available for everybody so i I operate out of that spreadsheet almost exclusively so looking at juju smith schuster specifically targets per route run so he's actually on the field he's actually running routes on passing plays he was at 25 percent in week one and that that was fantastic Nicole hardman was at 24 percent and this is still with Travis Kelsey being extremely relevant in a productive week one against Arizona. Now things changed a little bit here in week two and one week isn't enough to jump ship on these guys. But if it continues, if this trend continues, then it becomes a concern. So for me, Juju Smith-Schuster is still somebody that I would be actively looking to acquire at cost. And you can see here, so the way I look at the market inefficiencies, I go through KTC, ETC, which is Dynasty Trade Calculator, and Dynasty League Football DLF rankings, all great resources in, in their own right. And they certainly show different information. You know, DLF, it's a uh, they package up rankings from five or six different folks. I use the averages for this spreadsheet, Dynasty Trade 
Dynasty Trade Calculator, another good resource. And KTC is good because it gives you that public perception. And these are the ways that we take advantage. And that's the premise of the show. And I bring that up all the time. But Juju Smith-Schuster got to scroll down a little bit. Coming in, average wide receiver 40. Now, as the offseason progressed, we were getting all those positive blurbs. Week one hit. His value was not wide receiver 40. You're going to see, and I know all the folks that are in the Patreon, they see it on a weekly, a daily basis, how quickly these values change. And especially for wide receiver, I've been seeing it. You're seeing guys flip and flop 10 to 15 spots each and every week. And that's where we can take advantage and find these inefficiencies. So Juju Smith-Schuster, I have him in green on the spreadsheet. And I'm pretty much in this sheet every single day making updates that I see fit, whether it's based on the way I view a player, whether it is based on the market perception, because then we find those inefficiencies. Uh, But one thing I want to point out, and this comes up often, like Chris Godwin here, I have in that wide receiver 14 to 18 range. On average, he's coming in wide receiver 22, super low on KTC and it's because he's been injured and that is something that's really big for the general population. They want those points being scored, of course, and they need that immediate uh, gratification. So just because I have him in that 14 to 18 range, it doesn't mean you ignore the market itself because our goal here is to find the market inefficiencies. So if you completely ignore the market, and you're paying that wide receiver 14 to 18 price on Chris Godwin, you're doing yourself a disservice. So I just wanted to call that out because there are a few players here, especially if I'm higher than consensus, you lose your edge and you lose the advantage that you have if you're going out and ignoring the market price just because you value a player higher. And I hope that makes sense. But I know, especially Chris Godwin, that's a player that's come up time and time again in the Discord here. Man, it's weird when Mitch and Dan aren't here. I got to sip my coffee here, and I'm like, man, that was like three seconds of silence. I don't like it. I don't like it. I need a little, like, waiting music whenever taking a little sip there. Anyway, back to Juju. So I have him in that 32 to 38 tier, just above wide receiver 40 price tag, but still somebody I'm actively looking to acquire. The route participation actually went up from week one to week two, and we can't forget that San Diego. Oh, my God. I just... San Diego, they haven't been San Diego in how many years now? That Los Angeles Chargers defense, they are no slouch. A good secondary, uh, you know, they're able to cause disruption. Uh, Fake Ron says, elevator music, please. That was awkward. Listen, I, I can feel like I'm sitting here licking my lips. My mouth is getting dry. Should have brought a water up, but I'm sipping on coffee. Uh, oh, man. So juju, juju. Route participation up from 78% to 80%. Eh, We'll call it 81% when we round up. But the targets per route run, can't wait for the St. Louis Rams to repeat. (laughs) Living in the past. I'm living in the past. But uh, yeah, so it's good that we see Juju on the field. The one thing that I thought was interesting, and maybe this could account for part of it, his average depth of target in week one was 10.3. It was 1.7 in week two. And if you just watched the game, you would have seen it felt that way, right? You see Juju running these routes 
two, three, four, five yards, and, and that's it. Nothing was down the field. He had five air yards in week two, 82 in week one. And some of that can be attributed to the increase in slot rate. He was at 43%, went to 58%. But, you know, I'm not I'm not talking about Justin Watson here. I'm not talking about MVS. I'm not talking about Mecole Harbin. And Sky Moore is the intriguing one, right? And this is something that one of our patrons, Kaus, uh, always active in there, so always appreciative for that. But he mentioned, hey, JB, maybe discuss some of the guys, some of the rookies coming out here in 2022 that have been underperforming, and maybe this opens up the window to go acquire. Sky Moore was somebody I was lower on than the consensus coming into the rookie draft coming into the NFL draft. And certainly he was propped up by that landing spot. There's no denying that he's been extremely disappointing over the first two weeks. And it's not like a juju situation where he's been on the field and he, you know, it just hasn't really worked out. He had 17% route participation in week one week two. He was on the field for two plays two, and, and that's not going to cut it. So here's an awkward pause again. Sky Moore, I don't know if it's necessarily a player. You know, Greg says people thought Sky would be Chiefs wide receiver one. There was that discussion. And we're the point two weeks in. It really doesn't matter who the wide receiver one is because it's Travis Kelsey and it is, you know, CEH. CEH, I know that's been a surprise for some people. It's been a, uh, a godsend for others that have stuck by him. But another thing, and last thing about the Chargers defense, I want to point out from last week, and it's the same with the Green Bay Packers. When you watch them play and you look at the numbers afterwards and it confirms it, they are very run-funnel defenses. So what I mean by that, they are opening up and allowing you to run and taking away the pass and the big plays. So they're completely uh change a topic here but week three Leonard Fournette if, if he plays and if he, he's healthy especially if the wide receiver weapons not there he's going to smash in Green Bay this week absolutely smash and I don't know if the game's in Tampa or in Green Bay but against Green Bay he's going to smash but Juju buying at cost Sky Moore you can see right here Sky Moore I have him in my 45 to 49 range he's going wide receiver 39 based on the averages uh yeah a comment in the chat from fake Ron. Yeah, the Chargers aren't letting you get over the top. And that is exactly what opens it up on the ground. So you see those matchups, and I know start-sit decisions are big each and every week, but you see those matchups involving the Chargers on defense and the Packers. You want to you want to utilize the running backs against those teams and maybe be a little skeptical and hesitant to get wide receivers in your lineup giving the opportunity to go elsewhere. So uh, Sky Moore, Juju Smith-Schuster, obviously the two big key names that we're talking about with the the wide receivers here. But Miko Hartman has been, uh, we've seen improvement from him through two weeks. Am I going out and, and even offering a second for him? No, I, I wouldn't even, if I knew I had the 212, I would not give that for me, Cole Hartman. So if you want to acquire him, sure. It's it's not a player necessarily I'm looking to, but you know, go after it.
this is a good segue from the Kansas City wide receivers to Travis Kelsey, Darren Waller, and George Kittle, especially the first two because they have been producing up to this point two weeks in. George Kittle making his return, first time in the field here in 2022. What are we doing with these veteran tight ends? You look at them throughout the offseason, nobody wanted them. Everybody was all excited, obviously, about Kyle Pitts. But even ignoring Kyle Pitts, and I'm going over to my tight end tiers here, and I have this, you go two PPR in the first set, and then the tiers for just typical PPR, you'll see I have the the order and the tiers within the position exactly the same, but they'll all be bumped down cross-positionally when looking at it just from PPR. But Kyle Pitts, Mark Andrews, Travis Kelsey, I don't know. And there, there is not another position that has KTC, DTC, DLF, and JB values as one, two, and three unanimous. It's Kyle Pitts, Mark Andrews, Travis Kelsey. And then it opens up a little bit. And that's where we get some of the variance. But we're having the opportunity here, like I said, with Waller and Kelsey. Kittle may be here shortly. Primarily because Hawkinson, we talked about him. Mitch put out a fantastic video on the Dynasty Theory YouTube channel. And the timing could not have been more perfect. It was discussing the opportunity to move Hawkinson in a two PPR league for a first plus a very small piece. And I love whenever we... we you know, put out a video or discuss something and people are sharing, Hey, I got this done. I got this done. Especially whenever at least short term in week two, it came to fruition and it certainly looks good on paper. And up to this point, Dawson Knox hasn't been overly incredible. Dalton Schultz, a little banged up, but once you get past tight end six, I think I, I wouldn't blame anybody for having them in any certain order. You know, you can see I have Gerald Everett at tight end 11, and that is just because of the short-term production. And we had a comment in the chat yesterday. Once you get to a certain point in your dynasty tiers for tight ends, especially it is very redraft focused. Like I would add to Noah Fant right now to get Gerald Everett. Now they're one tier apart. So if I have Noah Fant, don't, don't come knocking and asking for a 23 first or a 23 second added on top. I'm not talking about that type of ad, but I'm still willing to add something. We're going through, and like I said, we're talking about Darren Waller and Travis Kelsey primarily here. The opportunities. Now, I don't have either of them as a seller buy. And because of that, or the reason for that, is because I line up with the market. So we're always talking about market inefficiencies. The guys that I am lower, me personally, not Mitch, not Dan, me. So for better or worse, I take the credit and the blame. If you have a Waller, if you have a Kelsey, a Kittle, if he produces here with Jimmy Garoppolo in week three, and you're not contending, I would certainly look at the teams that have a Pat Fryermuth, especially after this last week where he saw two targets late in the fourth quarter. I would look at uh, David Njoku is going to be tough just because of that monster game he had here. But any of these guys that are younger that you believe in personally, so a Cole Komet, a Mike Kosicki, if you believe he bounces back and beyond 2022, he finds a new home. Isaiah Likely, he's been rising up the boards. Noah fan, if you think that offense ever figures it out. But 
I would look for a significant ad and the opportunity is there to do that. Where over the off season, it wasn't right. People weren't really adding to Fant significant value to Fant for Waller or uh, uh, Kelsey. They weren't really adding to commit for those two of like, you couldn't get commit in a first for the most part, even in tight end premium for Travis Kelsey. And now I think a lot of people, especially if that first is projecting to be late, they're looking to do that because every year tight end position is so deep. It's so deep. It's so deep this year more than ever. It might be a wasteland. Like it is just, it's been rough. It's been tough sledding, but the, the, the story holds true here. If you do believe in, in TJ Hawkinson, he's coming in tight end six. I am seven to eight. So not a huge difference, but certainly somebody that I'm still looking to pivot off of if possible. So th- there are certainly opportunities here. If you are contending, the manager in your league has a Waller and is Owen two soon to be Owen three rest of their roster. Not very strong. Uh, we have a comment in the chat from fake Ron. Every time someone says Cole commit, my beard gets another hair. Uh, I could use that. I could use that. I, uh, I don't know. I haven't shaved in like three weeks. Yeah. That's how sad this is guys. So thanks Ron. Thanks for bringing up these bad memories. Yeah. So as, as we're working through this, I see some more people creeping behind the scenes here, watching live. I see Greg and, and Ron in the chat, but if any other players that you want, Oh, a gray hair, a gray hair. I'll even take a gray hair. I can't get any hair and I'm Italian. Some BS. Uh, but the opportunity is there for those those tight ends. Terry McLaurin. Terry McLaurin. I had the honor and privilege of jumping on with the FF Dynasty folks. And if you're not following them on, on especially YouTube, they do a really good job with their YouTube channel. And I'm partnering with them and, and jumping on for guest spots. I think it's going to be every other week throughout the season. I joined before week one and I was on this week. And one of the topics was discussing the Washington commanders. And I'm still not used to that. I'm still saying San Diego chargers, but one of the topics was discussing the the commanders wide receivers. And I I see Wes, what's up Wes, the commanders wide receivers and how we look at them moving forward as a buy sell or hold. It was, it was entertaining. It's always fun working with those guys, but for Terry McLaurin, I'm fairly certain all of us came away from that as McLaurin as being somebody that we would be interested in acquiring. So you can see in my tiers, I have him in that 19 to 31 range. So it's a huge tier. It really is. Because if you look at it, I'm not really adding significant value to a lot of wide receivers to move up. And that's been, that's been something that we've been talking about for three and a half years now that Mitch and I have been doing the dynasty theory, super flexology back in the day for those that were there for our first few episodes. Holy cow, were they bad, but we're looking at it and Terry McLaurin, I, I think you can get him closer to that 27 price tag. So he hasn't had the extremely high ceiling. He hasn't had the target share that many people believed And part of it's because Curtis Samuel, he's been getting checked down, checked down, checked down. I think he has almost 20 targets here through two weeks. And Jahan Dotson has been a touchdown machine, 43% 
touchdown rate, I believe. Three touchdowns on seven catches. And I'm looking at them right now. Route participation has been fantastic from all three of the receivers. Curtis Samuel is at 18 targets. Dotson, nine. McLaurin, 10. But I think we're going to start to see, and we saw it from week one to week two, right? We saw 7% target share per route run for Terry McLaurin in week one. Extremely disappointing. Jumps up to 15%. So did my voice there. I don't know if you could tell, but it sounds like I'm going through puberty. But it jumps up to 15% there heading into week two. And we actually saw a decline for Jahan Dotson from 13% to 8%. But again, really being bolstered by that touchdown upside. And Curtis Samuel, he dropped from 28% to 17%. So I would say before this week, if you can go out, look to acquire Terry McLaurin, Brandon Ayuk is another name on my list here that I have in green and McLaurin not in green just because he falls in that range. But still, I've been finding managers that might not be as high on him. Uh, But those are the two names that I'm still really interested in acquiring. And Traylon Burks, too. I talked about this on this week's episode of the Dynasty Theory, uh, the weekly show. But his his route participation, it's getting a little bit higher week after week. But his targets per route run, it's hit over 30% both of the, the first two weeks. And in that category, and I got to remember offhand, it was like Diggs, Amon Ross, St. Brown. Mm, who were the other two? There were five guys that hit at least 30% target share per route run in each of the first two weeks. And I think Tyreek might have been one. Anyway, there were five. And Traylon Burks was actually one of those five. So very positive signs early in his career after he couldn't finish a practice throughout the offseason. But Burks, Ayuk, McLaurin, guys that I'm looking still to acquire here before week three really goes into to full effect here. And I, I think you can get those guys at a reasonable price. So I, I do think the wide receiver commit the the Washington wide receiver core is going to balance itself out. And I I said this on the the guest spot. Uh, cup, cup. I, how, Greg? How could I forget cup? Holy cow! Uh, I'm still on my first coffee, guys. I'm still on my first coffee. But uh, I said this on the guest spot, and I said Curtis Samuel. I hate to say, and I know any of the the fantasy football injury experts, this is going to make their ears burn. But I hate to say anybody is injury prone. But if somebody had that label, I think it could be Curtis Samuel. I'm not, I I have a few shares. I hope he flourishes, but I'm still hesitant to believe that he can go out there on a weekly basis and perform at the the way he has been. So uh, if you can get any 23 second for Curtis Samuel, move him. Any 24 second, move him. And then Dotson, I would say, is closer to a hold. His price has risen tremendously. If you want to buy Jahan Dotson, Wait a few weeks because that touchdown rate of 43% is going to come back towards the average across the board in the NFL is about seven and a half percent. Some guys perform above it and their mean is certainly not the mean of the NFL. I'm looking at you, Adam Thielen, uh, but then those guys that are below you know, DJ Moore, like he's getting four touchdowns this year. Book it. Like it's every single year, like clockwork. Um, and actually looking at my list, DJ Moore. That's another name that that somebody wanted dropped here. DJ Moore, all off season, I had him in that big tier 
of like wide receiver at the time. I think it was wide receiver five to 13 and you have to adjust a little bit here because the production it's, it's going to be lacking. So you can see I have DJ Moore and DK Metcalf, DK Metcalf. He has the down arrow. It was more of a correction because, uh, well, these, these two, you could talk about them hand in hand. Obviously their games are different, but DJ Moore and DK Metcalf, I expect struggles throughout the season but that opens the opportunity to acquire. And while we are in redraft mode, if there are managers, especially in start three wide receiver leagues that were counting on DJ Moore, they were counting on DK Metcalf. They were counting on Chris Godwin to be producers. And you know what? I got to highlight DJ Moore here in green. I'm going to highlight him there in green. There we go. Uh, and, And DK Metcalf would be, but I think that price is going to continue to drop. So again, just like I talked about with, with Terry McLaurin, where go out and acquire him now, DK Metcalf, you very well could wait a little bit. DJ Moore, you could wait a little bit, but if somebody starts to get frustrated, just go out, send a feeler offer. I'm not saying completely lowball somebody. Um, we're not going to Dan LaMagna levels there, but DJ Moore, wide receiver 19 on average. Um, can we get, I mean, do you really have to add significant value to Gabe Davis for DJ Moore? I don't think so. I, I really don't, especially once Gabriel Davis comes back healthy. And if DJ Moore has another underwhelming game here in week three, but looking at DJ Moore at his route participation and all those, those metrics I've been discussing, He's 100% raw participation. He has run a route on every single drop back the Carolina Panthers have had through two weeks. Uh, we look at slot rate out wide in line. DJ Moore for Fab, right? Uh, maybe 20 bucks Fab. That should get it done, Greg. Uh, yards per route run a little bit low. Air yards. So his target share week over week went from 14%. I say he, this is DJ Moore. 14% to 21%. His air yards increased from eight and a half to 12. If we can continue to see that higher a dot with DJ Moore and the increase in targets per route run, we're still going to be disappointed sometimes on a weekly basis. And luckily he found the end zone to save his week here in week two, but six targets, three receptions, 43 yards. Actually, this man is nothing but consistent two weeks in a row. Let me double check. I didn't have a typo here. Two weeks in a row, three receptions for 43 yards against the Browns and the Giants. We talk about him getting four touchdowns every year. This dude's just getting the same stat line week after week. He just so happened to see the touchdown on week two. But uh, like I said, DJ Moore, DK Metcalf, Terry McLaurin. Maybe the time isn't necessarily now to buy them based on the your league mate if they're not so frustrated but just go explore chase edmonds is a name that was dropped to be discussed and i am disgusted with chase edmonds and the miami dolphins because i at his price i was high on him okay and i made several trades acquired several shares throughout the offseason because i believed and we saw in week one with the usage I believed he was going to be the guy, not the bell cow, but he was going to have the opportunity in the passing game at least. And looking at, where do I have Edmonds? 
There he is. So he did move down a little bit for me. I'm in line with the market. If you want to throw feelers out fine, he's certainly not a sell because he has that deflated price. But if you could find an like something I would like, if you have Chase Edmonds, maybe you could do it. And this is always my guy. But if you could do Jamal Williams in a third for Chase Edmonds, if you could get Jamal in the third, not not get Chase there, uh, that's something I would explore because looking at at these these values, or if you want to go the other way, if you have an Elijah Mitchell who's always interesting because he is injured, but he still has that fan club, go test the waters there and see if you could do Elijah Mitchell in a third for Chase Edmonds in a second. It very well might get rejected, but at least just go try it. If you believe in Chase Edmonds, if you think, and we talk about injuries, if you think Mostert is not going to hold up because that that's always a possibility, you know, depending on the workload he gets, but week one to week two, Chase Edmonds, and this was interesting because in week two, they were playing from behind his Chase Edmonds route participation went from 57% to 47%, not something we would we don't want to see that decrease. Whereas Moster went from 35% to 47%. Uh, <laughs> Ron, our resident Lions fan with Mitch, JB, if you send me Edmonds for my Jamal, I'm sending a strongly worded letter. I just said try. That's all. I just said try. Edmonds target share 12% in week one. Fantastic for a running back. 6% in week two. Uh, average depth of target, 3.8 in week one, 0.3 in week two. The It was it, it really was gravitating towards the Raheem Mostert show. So, I, I again, I would look to acquire Edmonds if you can get him at that discount. But if not, I would be very skeptical and hesitant to acquire at face value just because Raheem Mostert, if the usage were flipped, I'd be fine with it. But very disappointing to see Mostert and Edmonds run the same amount of routes there against the Ravens when trailing for most of that game. So not something I want to see. And the last name on the list, trying to keep this episode a little bit shorter. If Mitch were on, because we would have had some fantastic back and forth, this would have been at least an hour show. But last name on the list, Elijah Moore. I know people are panicking. And we're not going to see the Jets go out there and run uh, 50 pass attempts per game. It's just not going to happen. But the the saving grace for Elijah Moore today, and I, I keep saying this, it's the opportunity when Zach Wilson comes back, who is he going to favor? How are things going to play out? Because with Joe Flacco, it has been the Garrett Wilson show, especially in the red zone. I mentioned this stat on the weekly show. Garrett Wilson has more or at least the same. I can't remember if it was more or you know, at least the same uh, paired in there targets inside the 10 yard line as 22 entire teams. So 22 teams, all their players on those teams, uh, Garrett Wilson just dominating inside the 10, which we talk about high value touches Garrett Wilson coming in wide receiver 16 already this season, uh, wide receiver 16 for dynasty purposes. Uh, speaking of DJ Moore pivots, you get DJ Moore plus for Garrett Wilson today. I'd be shocked if you couldn't. That's something I would I would look to explore. Uh, let's see. So Elijah Moore, I have him down here in the 19 to 31 range. Again, JB, that, that's a massive tier. I, I know, I know. And it is challenging. 
But wide receiver 26 based on the averages of DLF, DTC, KTC, certainly lower in KTC, the public perception. People are, are not thrilled to start the season. But for him, just don't hit the panic button yet. I want to see how things shift with Zach Wilson. I attempted to move an Elijah Moore for that 23 first price tag. I was told that the person would just move a 23 second, and I I wasn't looking to move that conversation forward anymore. Uh, so I'm exploring opportunities to acquire and move, certainly at the right price, not just looking to dump any of these guys. Um, let's see. So route information. Like Elijah Moore, he's been on the field. This isn't a Sky Moore situation, coincidentally, with the same last name. Let's see here. Position, wide receivers. So route participation, Elijah Moore leading the way both weeks at 92% and 89% week two and week one. Corey Davis, he's sitting there between 68 and 75%. Garrett Wilson seeing a notable uptick up to 75% for week two, but it's the target share. Garrett Wilson in week two had a 31% target share, okay? 39% target share per route run. But Elijah Moore, like still solid, solid air yards on a weekly basis. Average depth of target, fine. But we just need to see more of that rapport and uh, relationship develop. Now, with Elijah Moore, he still had seven targets in week one. Five targets in week two, um, and then what? Nine point nine point seven point one points. If he finds the end zone, uh, Kyle, what's going on? If he finds the end zone in either week one or week two, the panic's not there. And we're talking about a stat that is wildly the the variance is just drastically different week over week. And I mentioned with Jahan Dotson, so Elijah Moore. While he isn't necessarily demanding the red zone targets, I you got to believe that the touchdowns start to come here for him. And with averaging six targets per game here early in the season, I I keep mentioning it, but I want to see how that develops with with Zach Wilson once he's back. So Elijah Moore, kind of in that neutral stage, if I had to say sell or buy. So when they are neutral for me. I'm looking at both opportunities. I'm looking to see if I find somebody that's a little above market, and then I'm also looking to find somebody that's a little below market if I'm looking to acquire. So uh, that, that's today's show. I hope everybody enjoyed it. Again, we do this show on a weekly basis. Typically, Mitch is with me, so you don't have to have those awkward pauses when I have to sip my coffee. And uh, like I said, I, I hope everybody enjoyed it. I hope you all have a fantastic week three. Hopefully, whether you're a contender or you believe you're a contender or you're entering a rebuild, you start to to gear up and you can get closer to one of those two goals. So for Mitch Sorensen, while he's not here, as always for Mitch, uh, Dan LaMagna, I'm John Bauer. We'll catch everybody on Tuesday for the weekly show. Have a great weekend, guys.